everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Chat. And it is our co-host Chaz's birthday show. His birthday was on the 14th, but we are celebrating today. And we Yay. have a special guest here. Um, but before we dive into it and who that special guest is, just in case you didn't see our tease on Twitter, let's say hello to our co-host. Chaz, my dear, how are you? Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I am 30 again. So it is, it is <laughs> a beautiful age to be again and uh, enjoying it again for the, I don't remember what year I've been celebrating 30, but we're going to continue to celebrate it until I'm 50. Very <laughs> Jill Foster of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello and welcome to my home. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Tiggs, how are you, darling? I'm doing fine, Casey. And yes, happy birthday, Chaz. And hey, Black don't crack, so as long as you can still pass for a certain age, you can keep lying about your age, okay? <laughs> I gotta move it up. I have to move it up to 35 now because, you know, people are like, yeah, it's a couple grays there. You're about 35. <laughs> you gotta tell them gray hair is good luck. I'm third. Mind your business. <laughs> that part. And, of course, Alan, how are you? Great. Hi, Ruby Chaz. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Now, of course, before we introduce our special guest of the night, because we're going to dive into lots of questions for this guest about CBS's The Young and the Restless. And Alan, you wrote a really great column about one of our favorite characters on YNR. So who's the character and where can our listeners read it if they haven't already? Not how YNR is currently treating Sharon, and it's on public.com. Awesome. You guys got to go and check it out. Uh, but in the meantime, She's written for primetime. She's written for daytime. She created the groundbreaking Black Soap Opera Generations. She's an Emmy winner. She's considered a writing legend in the soap opera genre. And she is also our very first guest of 2023. That is none other than the, the Sally Sussman Marina. Sally, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of I appreciated course. your introduction. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> well, let's hand it over to the birthday boy. Chaz, what is your very first question for Sally? I, I didn't know you were coming to me first, but I, <laughs> let me pull it up on my phone here. Okay, so Sally, um, as you know, I am the CBS guy on the podcast. So like I've grew up on CBS soap since 1990, I want to say. Um, and so, like, I watched Young and Restless, Bold and Beautiful, um, As the World Turns, and Guiding Light in that order, because that's the way it came on in our house. So um, you worked with probably my absolute favorite creator, create writer um, of soap opera, Mr. Um, Bill Bell. So what I would like to know is just what was the biggest lesson that you think that you took from Bill Bell in the way that he taught? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, I learned so much from him. Uh, Bill had a very simple philosophy about writing, which was stay, be inside the characters. If you're really, really, really inside the characters at all times, then they will tell you what to write, essentially. I know that sounds sort of woo-woo-ish, but it's actually very true, and it's why those 
it's sort of what separates good head writers, I think, from bad head writers, are those who are able to stay inside their story the whole time, never leave it, which makes it a very intense job. Uh, mm -hmm. Those who just sort of kind of like have it, are sort of outside of it. So that was one of the lessons. Um, also, drama and conflict, you know, again, being true, lots of subtext in the writing. So a lot more is unsaid rather than said. So you use the cameras mm -hmm. to tell the audience a lot of the story. Bill mm -hmm. also liked to use music too as subtext because a lot of the music can tell the audience what to feel or what yeah. they should feel um, or can tell you that maybe the person who's talking isn't on the level or something. Mm -hmm. um, those were big lessons. But Bill had a simplicity uh, that he would make a note I would write up story material for the week. I get it to him. He'd read it on the weekend. He'd maybe make a few changes, but whatever he did made it better. He, um, he just had an affinity for relationship stories. I mean, look, he's the first to admit he made a few mistakes along the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he repeated a few stories. He's, he was never shy about that. Uh, saying that he, he knew when it was good and he knew when it wasn't so good. Um, and he treated his writers really, really well. And he just had a very good sense of where he wanted to go. He always sort of had a target in mind. He didn't necessarily know exactly how the story would lay out, but he always sort of had a target like six months from now. I want so-and-so to be together, but it's not going to be a quick journey, you know? Nothing mm -hmm. was a fait accompli. Nothing mm -hmm. was a foregone conclusion. That was things we always avoided. Don't make something, a you know, let the audience go on this journey, you know, twist and turns. Don't make it easy, you know? Um, when somebody has an issue, don't make it easy to get it resolved. I mean, the key to daytime that he learned from... Um, Ted Corday and Erna Phillips is the whole raison d'etre of daytime is to make the audience want more to tune in tomorrow. So there's a trick to keeping the audience wanting more. You know, mm -hmm. you can you tease certain amount and then you pull back, but you don't want to make anything too easy. You don't want to wrap up stuff. The audience is there for the journey, not the payoff. The payoffs are never that interesting. It's the journey that gets you to the payoff that's where you fall. Mm. You know, by the time the payoff hits, it should be climactic, but then it becomes anticlimactic quite quickly after that. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's already done. I think you made one of the best points that that I I can resonate with. To me, is the music is is anytime that I watch the Young and the Restless, I when I heard a music cue. I'm like, oh, Miss Chancellor's on the day. Or uh, I heard a music cue for, you know, a little sinister stuff going in the background. Like, okay, something's not right with this person. And it, it's build, it's going to build to something. Um, I think Young and Rust's music cues are iconic. And um, it, it just it just brings me back to a place. My grandmother watched Young and Rust, and my mom still does to this day. And so it's just like brings me back to the living room at my grandmother's house in 1985 or whenever, and knowing that she's going to see Miss Chancellor come out, and and uh, I think she got a facelift on television. Yeah. So um, that it, was a fun it, story to do. It just brings me back to that time where I'm like, okay, wow, and that 
it, it's amazing some of the things that he did. And I, I, like I said, he's my favorite writer. So it's it's amazing that um, you had an opportunity to work under that. Yeah, no, he was always my f hero too. I mean, I was a huge fan of Y&R from the day it started. I watched it the first day. Now, of mm -hmm. course, I'm a little bit older than you are. I was in high school. Uh, <laughs> and um, I was fascinated by And I had been watching other soaps at that point. Mm -hmm. I had, the first soap I ever watched was Edge of Night, which I thought, which a friend of mine turned me on to. I'd never watched a soap before. Mm -hmm. And it was during the Adam and Nicole story. And I kind of got hooked mm -hmm. on that. Then I watched Secret Storm and then all my children. And then when Ron mm. Mar came on, I started watching that from the from the beginning. And that one, for some reason, really spoke to me. I don't know if it was the music, the slower pace, or something about it. it. I always described it to Bill as what I thought back then was more of a mood piece. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. he would ask me, you know what i liked about the show what i didn't like about the show that was a tricky question <laughs> right <laughs> Especially the second day the second day of working with him he said okay so what don't you like about the show <laughs> oh shit um <laughs> but i did mention a couple things that had irked me and he agreed actually um that was the thing about bill you know, if you're a very good writer, which he was, and you have, you're not an insecure person, you don't mind hearing criticism because it's not personal. And the problem um, that people have is that the, a lot of the writers today is they think it's all personal. They, they, mm. they, they, they can't take the slightest bit of criticism. It's... <laughs> It's, it's very okay. sad. It's really depressing, actually. Um, but Bill was not like that. And I just to be just to sort of be and learn. It's not like he said, OK, Sally, you do X, Y, Z. Yeah. He did his thinking. I he hired me because he thought I thought like he did. I had written a Bible for CBS. Um, I had a writer development thing. And mm -hmm. I had written a Bible for the show. I didn't know what he was playing on the air. I mean, I didn't know what he was playing in the future. I only knew what was playing on the air. So I just wrote four different stories. He read it. He loved it. He hired me. But the truth is, I just watched and learned. I didn't, like, it wasn't like, Sally, okay, here's the rules for writing. No, no, no. I just listened to how they worked. The group, Kay Alden, Jack Smith, Bill, Elizabeth Harrower. Um, how they all interacted. I knew the show inside and out, so that was not a problem for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at that time, in the late in late '82, Bill was a little frustrated with the show at that point. Um, it wasn't doing well in the ratings. He had moved the show from a half hour to an hour, which was grudging on his part. He did not want to do that. CBS forced that on him. And he didn't, I don't think the show of all the shows that trans, uh, that uh, transmuted from a half hour to an hour, I thought Y&R had the worst transition mm. um, of the shows. And we ta I talked about that with Bill uh, mm -hmm. from a half hour. And so my timing of arrival on the show was perfect timing because it re-energized him. It made him see that he could make the hour work. 
I had written some storylines so he didn't have to think about stories. We could take those stories. He took those stories literally and we played them on the air. Well, the first one was the Dina story, Dina coming back, the introduction of Lor- the character of Lauren, and the introduction mm-hmm. of Danny and Tracy. There was a story that we didn't, Brill didn't use because he had already written out these characters, but he had told me if he had seen this story before, he wouldn't have written them out. But <laughs> so yeah. it was just, it was just the timing was a good time to come to mm-hmm. the show. It was just a really good time for him and for the other Kay and Jack. And we all worked together really well and wow. had a great time together. Awesome. Oh my goodness. That was just so fabulous. Kind of getting your perspective at the start of your wind, our journey. And yeah, oh, I was wow. 26 years old. Oh my goodness. Sally. <laughs> so now you returned to the show just a few years ago. Right. I returned to the show two more, two, two times, once in 2005, six for which you won the Emmy. Which was fantastic. We were kicking ass. I did the Phyllis and Nick story. We had Lauren and Michael getting married. We were doing amazing. And then the sky fell in. The network decided we sucked. And Sony agreed to let the network do everything. And we all got fired. And I believe that the show's never been the same since. And when I went back in 2016, it was a shell of its former self. And there was nothing I could do. It has it hasn't like does not CBS has too much say over at that show and you can tell and you can tell that they don't know what they're doing. Well, I'm glad you said that. It, it, it's like <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. But, but no, but no, and on the flip side, I love Brad, but he has too much autonomy over at Bowl. And it shows. Yeah, no, it's it, an interesting like, comment. Yeah, that's an interesting because he has no network. Y&R has micromanagement down to every fucking word. It, it, it's like um, having two children. It's like Y&R is the girl and Bold is the boy. Oh, <laughs> the boy, he he gets to go and do whatever he wants, but the daughter has a curfew of 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Brad, oh, he gets to stay out till, you know, 1 a.m. Because he's the jock. That's good. But analogy. you know, yeah, it, it's it's Sally. It's a mess. It's we a mess. scream and wish you could come back every single day. <laughs> I wish you could come back. Here's and the problem. You could just tell CBS. Here's part of the problem. And yes. let me do what I want to do for six months. Well, here's the thing. I had that was sort of the agreement I had when what I when I took retook the job, which I didn't want. Um but we had just come back i had made a feature documentary tony and i made a feature film yeah. feature documentary and we and it was in the Cannes film festival it's called midnight return the story of billy hayes in turkey you guys are young i don't know if you remember the film midnight express but midnight I've express told it. the true story of a young american who was imprisoned in turkey yes for hash he, he was in prison for five years and then he escaped mm-hmm. and what happened was when he came home he wrote a book and a movie was made called Midnight Express, an unbelievably, hugely successful film. Oliver Stone's first movie won an Oscar, but the movie veered from the story and became a huge indictment on Turkey and Turkish people. And it created a huge crisis and 
controversy in Turkey. It caused them to lose hundreds of millions in tourism because it created this impression of Turkey that if you go there, you're going to be thrown in jail. It was a brutal uh, take, but the film was incredibly successful and super scary. It terrified everybody who saw it at the time. So the real guy whose real life story it was based on, his name was Billy Hayes, Tony knew him and I knew him. He had told me I wanted to make a documentary after I had left YNR in 2006, after we had all gotten fired so that Lynn Latham could take over. Mm. Um, oh, God. And Interesting. He, he came to me and said, listen, I've always wanted to go back to Turkey. And I thought, wow what an interesting idea for a film. You know, the guy who escaped from Turkish jail wants to go back to Turkey and apologize to Turkish people for the damage the film did. Anyway, long story short, took me a long time to make this film. Tony and I ended up funding it ourselves. We did extremely well with it. It was in the Cannes Film Festival and it was in a number of other festivals, but getting into the Cannes Film Festival just opened up a lot of doors. So I was in France when I got a call to meet with Angelica at the network. Chuck Pratt had been the head writer. Mm-hmm. I met with them and I said, look, if I come back, I want to do relevant stories. I want to do controversial stories like we used to. Like mm-hmm. no gay baby, no doppelganger, no people coming back from the dead, none of that. No stolen mm-hmm. meat, none of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And I told them a couple little ideas I had. Of course, I had nothing written. I had nothing planned out. I hadn't watched the show since 2006. So now we're talking 10 years. Yeah. So I leave and I'm told, yes, probably, yes, you'll get the job in November because Chuck still had two months on his contract. That weekend, Chuck quits. He gets some <laughs> primetime show and quits. And Sony calls me on mm-hmm. Monday and says, I have to start the next day. I said, well, that's impossible. I can't start the next day. I said, I haven't watched the show in 10 years. I have to prepare. I got to write something. I, I can't. You have to. You have to do this for me. You, pro- you Please, please, please. So I did. Mm. And then all I was was micromanaged every two seconds. It was a nightmare. And finally, I said, why am I even here? The first story I did, which was a fantastic story, it never saw the light of day. Uh, was a story where Devon and Hillary uh, were having troubles. They got into a huge fight. Devon took his expensive car and left the party, the New Year's party, and got stopped for speeding and got into an altercation with the cop. And the story was going to be basically, the idea of the story was going to be how easy it is for things to escalate and how to de-escalate things. Where Devon wasn't really a victim in this one. He was kind of the asshole, you know. He was really, you know, and it was going to, it was really laid out super well. The network had a freak out, so I never did the story. So that was just one of many. Then we got the watered down version of him getting into that car. Well, I did that as, I did that as my own. As I told Casey last week, I, I, I don't want to say it on the air, but I did that deliberately on purpose. So, let but me you know, you, you know what, Sally, we get so much that now with the show, where on paper I'm pretty sure Josh thinks it's a good idea, and, and it's enough to keep the network quiet. But then when it gets on 
television, it translates into the Hallmark Channel is racier than what we get. That, you see, unfortunately, the people at the network, other you think they would know because Bill did this for 40 years, where Y&R was always cutting edge. We told realistic stories. I mean, look, there's so much going on in the world, so many news things that you could pull interesting stories from, you know, and yet they always go to the same well. You know, mm -hmm. the well is tired, I think. I think it's long dried up. But for whatever reason, they like the safety of, okay, I put Mariah and Tessa together. And I had them kiss. Well, you would have thought the world <laughs> had exploded <laughs> the way they reacted. And now in the focus groups, evidently, who's the most popular people on the show? Tessa and Mariah. So let me ask And you they me. wouldn't let me tell the story the way I really wanted to tell you also oh, we know we know because the the beginning was great and then it kind of petered off a little bit so i i'm i, I can That's see when i was gone yeah i yeah. i don't know how it ended up going after i was gone but i was it kind of petered out story it and put very much together. petered yeah, out yeah it kind of petered out and you know and they're trying now you know they gave them a big May Sweeps wedding, which was nice. They even dedicated the Christmas episode to them. I, I, I was I was shocked with that, you know, that they dedicated the Christmas episode to the lesbians. It, it was it, it was nice, <laughs> but it's still very lacking because now they're trying. They're married. They're trying to adopt a baby, and it could be so much better than what it is. It's very, it's boring, very chaste. It's yeah. And most of it plays out off screen, which. Well, they do, in fairness, they and another aspect of why it was a very difficult year, miserable experience writing that year is the budget. They have no money. They won't spend money on sets. You can't turn sets over. So you're stuck using the same sets every day. You mm -hmm. got to use private conversations and public sets. It's very difficult. It's It's a challenge. I mean, I think. It can still be done because soaps are really about two people, right? Mm -hmm. black, you know, this one says black, this one says white, this one says, you know, the sky's blue, this one says it's green, you know, conflict, drama. You don't really need, you know, all in the family survived on one set. You know, if you have good drama, you can do it in one set. But as a writer who's juggling several storylines at a time, it becomes extremely difficult uh because you can't move people it's it's just very tricky it can yeah. be done with a little bit of imagination and thought but it, it's it's a hurdle there's no question it's a hurdle for anyone who writes that show yeah. and, it, 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 and it's a hurdle that josh griffith is failing miserably <laughs> well so anyway before uh, we move <laughs> on to alan's first question sally i wanted to ask you about that last stint um, you got to revive a working relationship with the equally as legend Kay Alden, who we all love. What was that like for you to have her as your story consultant during that period? Well, you know, Kay and I have a good, very good shorthand way of working together. Um, and so that was really good. Um, it wasn't, you can't really recreate what we had previously. There was just too many hurdles. Yeah. Kay had some issues too at the time. So, you know, it was great. Um, you know, we, we're still 
close. I think incredibly highly of her. She's amazing. She had an incredible run. They should have never let her go, ever. Never. Huge mistake. They, they should have never let you go either. Like I agree. I agree. They shouldn't have let me, Jack, or Kay go, but especially Kay, let's say, if I had to sacrifice myself. <laughs> never let her go. She was the heart and soul of the show. She was the one that Bill wanted to take over, and rightly so. Um, it was great to reunite with her, but the problem for us was we couldn't really do what we really wanted to do, you know? So it was frustrating for her. It was super frustrating for me. And um, I don't get that. I don't get why why CBS is so scared. Like they're, they're so they're so afraid them. of of people that live in Sugarbush, Nebraska. That that you know are on Facebook that don't want you know Lily to date a black man, even though she's black. You know, it's just it's stuff like that. Like I guess that's I you know look the audience. I guess you know to my mind, it's like you have an audience now. It's still pretty good. I mean, mm -hmm. you try and want to grow it. You don't want, I, I, the, it's, it's a question I wish I knew the answer to because I've asked it a million times. So I don't know the answer to it. It's like, you know, 3.4 million people still watch the show. We got to tune in for something. Exactly. <laughs> and that's a huge number still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. obviously believe. Well, when uh, Tessa and Mariah had their first kiss. They were apoplectic, CBS. And then nobody gave a shit. Everybody goes like, okay, so what? And, and my whole thing world, is... As the World Turns did a gay storyline 35 years ago. Right, and like, and I mean, with God and light, like, Natalia and Olivia kept that show chugging along through the, oof, them PPAC days, child. Like, you know, but they kept that show going for what it was the last couple of years it was on the air. Like, it's okay. Like, even when now, people don't balk. Everybody loved Mariah and Tessa's wedding. The set was tacky, but, you know, the the wedding itself, <laughs> like, everybody loved it. No, I think in terms of focus, their own. I'm sure, I think in terms of focus groups, at one time, they were the most popular couple on the show. You know, they tested really high. Um... I don't know why CBS is so skittish in daytime. I don't get it. I think it's really hurt the show over the years. I mean, I think I'm talking like what since 2005, 2006, the show has not really lived up to the what Bill mm -hmm. and had done. Mm -hmm. And that's um, why it's lost one million viewers. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, and like I said, with bold. Sally, if you turned on bowl right now, you would want to take out your belt and put Brad over your knee. It no, 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 really. Passions have more nuance than what's going on at bowls right now. It, it's it's ridiculous. And CBS <laughs> let, like, I don't know. No, no, and it's just <laughs> like CBS just lets him do whatever. Not understand that he owns the show and it's the most watched soap in the world. But if it wasn't for CBS airing it here in the states every day. You wouldn't have those residuals and royalties, correct? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's even like, it's like a new hair writer came in and is poo pooing over everything he did. Like, sadly, he's rewriting his own story. Like, it, it's ridiculous. Like, saying that stuff like Brooke cheated on Ridge with Thorn and Eric. No, she did not. You wrote it. She did not. 
It's just stuff like that that just drives us crazy. Well, and then you have Y&R. They need where, a continuity person. Michelle Valjean's right there because yeah. So let's see, uh, Alan, <laughs> I know that you had a good question for uh, Sally as well. So take it away. <laughs> so Sally, what was your favorite character you ever created? Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I would say this, the very first character that I was able to create to bring into Weiner was the character of Lauren. Yes. And oh. she's gonna have a 40th anniversary, I think on the show either this month or something I saw. I think yes. up, up soon, yeah. Which is it's like mind boggling to me because that means it was 40 years ago for me too. So. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's worse for her because she's on camera, but she looks pretty darn good. Um, yes. I'll tell you, yes. I, it's funny that you asked that because I have like a few stories in my career that I'm really proud of. The Dina coming home to the Abbott family was one for sure. Uh, the Lauren with Paul and Sean and all that. Oh, yeah, crazy she was yes. buried alive. The stalker, yeah. the yeah. buried alive. Yes. Um, I always loved. You know, on Y&R, we did a lot of fun stuff. That was a really fun time. Bill Bill liked to have do fun stuff. He also likes heavy-duty drama, but he also liked weird, quirky stuff, like Eve trying to poison Victor, <laughs> trying to kill Nikki at her wedding. Like, those kinds of things were fun, you know? And they still kind of hold up pretty well. I mean, I've seen that episode a number of times over the years. You know, they, they will always pull it out of the archives. Yeah. I love it. Um Wait pandemic that that um when the pandemic started that was one of the episodes that they played oh yeah was like, it yeah i had never seen it so i no, was like because it's 1984 yeah yeah and it was a great episode because bill brought everybody back from the past the original like jamie lynn bauer and janice lind and eve was such a, a funny character and nikki and victor were so you know that was their first wedding their big wedding um at the colonnade room Mm -hmm. and uh so that was that's a storyline I, I i've always enjoyed um well then after i left winer i went to generations so all the characters i created on generations i would say are all personal favorites of mine for sure um oh amazing you know um Groundbreaking television at that, that You know, show. when I went to Days of Our, you know, then I did scripts on As the World Turns and Another World, but then I went to Days, took over for Rod, Jim Riley, and I did the Kristen being murdered story. Yes. Oh, uh, that was iconic. Really yeah. And yes. I also put Carrie and Mike together. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you so I much. I did that storyline. And I also oh. then, when you look back, that's 1990. I did a sexual harassment storyline 30 years ago. Yes, you did. Yeah. I was unfortunately a little too far ahead of my time. <laughs> you always have been, Sally, and that's what I know. This is why I'm not working yeah. in the daytime anymore. I think <laughs> <laughs> you're a but, legend. Thank you so much I, for I playing Carrie and Mike. No, I was oh, laughing because, and then I did a sexual harassment storyline on Y&R when I was there, that came with Juliet. Yes. And then uh, Mariah and Kim. And, Mariah that was great. Up. and the the second Y&R stint, I'm most proud of putting the, of recognizing the Phyllis and Nick thing, because they hated each other in the storyline at that time, yes. because that's when Cassie had been killed. 
Right. But I saw a spark of chemistry between them as actors. I said, I know I can make this story work. It was so um, good. <laughs> it was and fantastic. So we built it so that they would first have their first night affair at the night of Lauren and Adam. Uh, Lauren and, Adam. Lauren and uh, what's his name? Michael's oh. wedding. Yeah. And then all the build when Sharon found out, you know, with the lingerie mm. and she goes to the store. I based that actually on a true story that might happen to a friend of my mother's years ago. And I always found it fascinating. What? So I just kind of took that and had Sharon be the woman that was my mother's friend who discovered her husband's affair by what the what he bought for the girlfriend. <laughs> Oh, so she ended up buying all the same things. That was appointment television. So that was fun. That was a fun. In this last stint, I can only say the Tessa Mariah thing, the Devon story I didn't get to tell the way I wanted. Uh, the Jill story when she was having a heart attack, I, I, I really wanted to explore that more, but just doesn't work very often and didn't want to come down. Too much. At least you had her dump Colin Atkinson finally. That was the right. greatest gift. <laughs> right. And but I had more for her, but it was hard to, to get her to um commit. Yeah. At that time. So um You you had me interested in Kane and Lily. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> I hated him as a couple. I, that was a fun, that was a good it. story with him. It was, going it was a good story because to me. I always liked Kane when he was a schemer. Yeah. Him being, him, him being this, oh, I just lied for Lily and the babies. That was so stupid. When he was being a schemer and him and Lily getting into it, that's the first time I gave a damn about that couple. Yeah. And I actually like Julia too. It's very important to, you know, Bill used to always say, happiness is boring, mm -hmm. but yeah. you still want to get certain people together, but you have to have drama. That's what people tune in for. You know, but that's the thing with these couple, with these new soap fans, Sally. It's like they want instantaneous. They just want like those lame fans. They love that sugary, ugh, that saccharine, the minutia of life. Yeah, they like that, and newer soap fans like that. I'm like, well, sweetie, I grew up on Victor and Nikki, Josh and Reva, John and Marlena, Tad and Dixie, Bo and Hope. I'm used to being tortured. Okay. So I, I need some type of something, but these newer soap fans, they want their couples instant fast and playing with puppies in a field. And I don't believe that they really do. I think they say that. I think if there was a journey that they could go on where there was real struggle so that by the end of it, I remember when I was working with Jim uh, on days, I worked with him for a year first before he left and I took over. And this was when he was doing the Carrie Austin Sammy story, right? <laughs> and I think the Carrie and Austin will they or won't we when I had gone on at that point for like five years or something. And Jim once said to me, he goes, The audience says I never give them a payoff. So I have to marry Carrie and Austin to give them but this was I said, Well, Jim, it has been three years. So, <laughs> you know, maybe they have a point. Um, <laughs> but but um, thank you, Sally. Thank you for giving us Carrie and Mike because I have, even to this day, so, I have never been a Carrie and Austin fan like that. Well, it was interesting because there was a time, the reason I even got to those two was they were playing scenes at the hospital. When Sammy was in the hospital, she had, 
was paralyzed and then she could walk or whatever. And Austin was at her bedside and she was manipulating that situation. And Carrie was kind of like left. And Mike was a virtual under five on the show at that time. Mm -hmm. But they had a little spark of this is why it's very important as a writer to watch the show. Um, because you can find things with actors that you might not see on paper. And I thought, oh, they're kind of cute together. There's a little chemistry there. <laughs> You know, it's like with Nick and Phyllis, these two characters hated each other. They were fighting constantly, but there was just something about their interaction that sparked something. The same with Carrie and Mike. And I, that, that's why you got to watch the show, because you just never know who you might build a story around, you know? Yeah. Like, I love it, because to me, Carrie and Austin were born. Sammy made them interesting. Yeah. They were born to me. Sammy when, was when she got with Mike. It was more of an adult relationship for Carrie. Yeah, yeah. Like with Austin, she was just still this this little cutesy 14, 15 year old that was in love with Austin because he was older and a boxer and from the wrong side of the tracks and all that. But Mike kind of grew her up a little bit. So I yeah, like I, I prefer them together. And we did I did the Sammy execution story. Oh, oh that, that was good. so good. And and people say Jim didn't give payoffs. Yes, he did. Because the that story and you know them finding out the will was Lucas's. Ah, uh, that was great payoff. And Carrie knocking the hell out of Sammy and Allison Sweeney walking around with in days with that wedding dress on and that mascara all over, looking like a demon, yelling at Marlene and everybody because wouldn't nobody take her side. Like and Kristen with the with the teeth flying out of Susan's mouth. Yeah, oh, that's that those was great. Oh, that, that was good stuff. No, that was good stuff. No, <laughs> Listen, Jim had a flair for that show, for sure. Um, he made it what it was and what it is. I mean, you know, he was yeah. like the third era of that show going yeah. from Bill Bell's psychological, Tom Racina's and Sherry Anderson's super couple. Right. He made it what it is today. Yeah, he, he took that sci-fi sort of dynamic. I don't dig that, but <laughs> when I was there... We did a lot of good stories and he was a great to work with. I love Jim personally. I was sad when he passed away, but he was great to work with. A lot of fun to work with because he, he's the kind of head writer I really respect because he was so inside his show. He didn't expect his outline writers to do his job. He did some days he would, some days he would end a tag and I'd go, okay, how the hell is he going to get out of this one? <laughs> and, but he'd always find a way. I say, Jim, I, you know, so he was great to work for. I said to him, you sure you want to leave? <laughs> I wasn't really keen on taking over. <laughs> but I had a good run and I loved the writers I worked with. It was a great group of writers. Um, I've loved all the writers I've ever worked with on any of the show. The writing teams, the writing team on YNR is first rate. They're all fantastic. I use them very, very well. Some head writers don't take advantage of their outline writers and their script writers, but I spoke to them all the time and communicated with them and they're great people and I'd work with any of them in the future. So now Tiggs, I know you had a question for Sally concerning the other daytime dramas that are on the air, so go for it. Okay, Sally, I, I know you've, yeah, you previously worked on uh, Days, but like, did Bold or GH ever, did you ever have any talks to maybe join their writing team over the years or since your last line, Arston, has there been 
talk that fell through or after no in the early 2000s i had done a show for mtv called spider games which was i loved it i loved it oh, yeah. I, I i really wish paramount plus would put it on yeah they I really should that and generations we need to bring back too but anyway Par yeah they really should rerun it because it was tons of fun um after that show ended because we did six that was 65 which was nice kind of doing one that ended uh which was a tricky which was a very tricky thing to write because i had an end point so i had to really pace it out very well um to get to the good payoff at the end right after that show on general hospital uh michelle valjean and elizabeth corte were hired as head writer oh yeah rich and wendy asked me if i would come and consult with them so oh. i did but what uh, happened was, it was only 13 weeks. What happened was Wendy got fired mm -hmm. and they brought in Jill Phelps. And mm -hmm. he did not want to work with Michelle and Elizabeth. She wanted to bring in her own person, Megan McTavish. So, <laughs> oh, the 13-week the, the cycle that I was consulting on ended up being a debacle because jill would insist on throwing out outlines and michelle and elizabeth had never worked under those conditions before and it was not a good situation so i only did 13 weeks and then i was gone and i've <laughs> never uh been on gh ever again uh, uh, in any capacity oh, I, I can tell i can tell nor, bold, nor bold and beautiful either um because with gh what jill Farron Phelps did to that show it, it it's been systematic over the last 20 years she's been gone for a decade and you can just still feel her her stench on that show and it's not good she knows how to make a show look good and she knows how to pick out the emmy reel that's it well when you do 250 shows a year you should be able to find one or two that you can see yeah or two <laughs> you know really it's yeah. it, you know, I used to say, if you get a hundred good ones a year, you're doing well. Um, so did you ever uh, want to work on, did you ever want to work on Unbold? No. Oh. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, super, <laughs> I'm not super, I mean, look, if, if a situation arose and Brad called me and said, look, I want you to, you know, do X, Y, Z, I'd certainly consider it. Uh, but it's not something I would seek out. At this point in my life, no. Yeah, at this point, Brad needs to just write the checks and turn that show over to Michelle because, who burnt out ain't the word. Well, <laughs> it is. I think it's possible. Look, it's been on a long time. This they've had the same. You know, he's been the head writer for a long time. I admire what he's done tremendously. Yeah. You know, he's a good guy, but you know, the show is a different animal. It's a half hour which kind of mm -hmm. makes it it's oh yeah. you know what's, what's nice about a half hour though bill always loved the half hour because he used to say he makes the audience you know want more uh leaves the audience wanting more um you know uh i l let's put it this way i would consider it but it's not something that you know at this moment in time i mm. I, I i would not see it as a viability really you know mm -hmm. i i think that Daytime's passed me by. I've passed daytime by. It's kind of mutual. You know, okay. I well, was Casey, a fan. 
Casey, can I ask my second question then, since it's kind of connected to this one on my last? Yeah, of course, Takes. Go ahead. Because okay, it well, yeah, because well, Sally with with days being exclusively on Peacock now. Yeah, they have a little bit more autonomy. They don't have to deal with NBC in the network notes. They don't have to cut a lot of scenes. Like there have been times, Sally, where there's been episodes of days that are like forty seven minutes long now because they don't that. have to worry about commercials and stuff. Right. Would you ever consider like you know how what how does that make you feel about the future of soap opera? Would you want to do like a, a a scripted series on streaming where you could have a little bit more freedom and stuff like that? Very much so, very much so. I would do. I have a drama series idea that I would love to do. That is, a, it would be a one hour weekly. I would love to revive generations as a weekly series. I, I oh think gosh, it would be natural Jeez, for please. that. I would love that. I no, I I I think that days being on streaming could be a serious blessing in disguise for them. It is. I think mm -hmm. it's a blessing in disguise because, like you said, no network, no commercials. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Now we can tell stories. I'm sure their budget hasn't increased, but they've made it work all these years with a very small budget. So I don't think that that's a deterrent to that for them. Um, I think it's a blessing in disguise and bravo to them. Um, I think it's fantastic. I, I, I would hope that Peacock would look, you know, the, oh, wait a minute, you know, maybe, you know, this, this format is, is viable. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if, if Y&R migrates down the road. I think eventually the other three will. I think Dave has started something like, I think when the show gets renewed, hopefully for another year or two, I think that'll give the other three like, okay, well, they seems to be doing well. Maybe we should. Because all the shows, all of them do well on streaming. They're just still on network. You know, that's why they got the move. King Corday said, you know. I think for Y&R, it would be much harder. I think you could migrate to yeah. uh, GA, yeah. migrate days. They have a younger audience. Yeah. So R has a very old audience. Yeah. Um, and that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Y&R is nothing with the product. You know, I suspect be... that, you know, I don't know, but mm -hmm. I would suspect that the bulk of the Y&R audience maybe has Netflix, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know how adept the Y, you know, Y&R has an older yeah. audience and I don't know if that will, if they would lose that audience, if they went to streaming, suddenly a bunch of older people would go yeah. Paramount plus what's that? How do I watch that? I have to buy an Apple TV. I have to buy a, you know, yeah. Uh, oh, it's not on my smart TV. How do I get, you know, my app, my smart TV only has a certain amount of apps. It doesn't have Paramount Plus. Also, Peacock is a better platform than Paramount. Let's put it that way. Peacock <laughs> is NBC. They have an enormous library. They have great promotion. They have a history. You know, NBC is a legacy. Paramount True. Plus, yes, you can put great feature films <clears throat> on. Well, you know, The Godfather, but nobody goes, oh, gee, it was a Paramount Plus series, you know? <laughs> right. I think right. CBS is a better brand than Paramount Plus. I agree yeah. with you. Maybe I think so because up until Paramount Plus came along, people didn't even really know that Paramount was a 
was the parent of CVS. You know what I'm saying? No one knows that. No one knows that. Because at least with NBC, NBC started this with Days two, three years ago. And also the name Peacock is is associated with NBC. Yeah. They... NBC has a wealth of library. They also have Universal. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's head and shoulders ahead. I think that CBS would have a very hard time. Yeah, duplicating that on Paramount that NBC can do from the network to Peacock, and I think it's a blessing in disguise for those writers. I, I wish them well. I hope they do amazing and I hope it lasts because I'd rather see these shows survive than not. You know? Yeah. NBC took their time though. They this wasn't a rash decision. Like it took it 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 you know progressed over like a three year period for them okay. to transition. Now the rollout was sloppy, but but the overall process, they did a good job with, you know kind of introducing it to people through Peacock. Yeah. And it and it saved the Peacock app. Like, Dave totally. is still one of NBC. the most watched shows on there. And in Dave the NBC app. Dave has a slightly younger audience, too. Mm-hmm. And they also have an extremely loyal audience. I always remember, yes. even in the 80s, we would go to fan events. And the Dave's fan events would make the Y&R fan events look pathetic. <laughs> I mean, the fans of days I've never seen. I remember when they killed off Marlena and they were protesting. I mean, the days fan base was the most vocal by far, the most loyal, the most vocal for sure. Yeah. So and t- I think that's why they're able to make it work on Peacock. Yeah, because NBC said like they haven't lost many viewers. I'm sure like, they they, yeah. Well, they didn't have they as have. many. They had probably half yep. of what YNR had. Yeah, so, they were down to a 1.7 by the time they left NBC. Yeah. So it, it, it made perfect sense for NBC. Perfect sense. Mm-hmm. They were making no money on ad sales, make money on subscriptions. I mean, it's it's. I actually think it was a really smart move and they did it at the right time. And, you know, I'm really, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, because we haven't really seen with them shooting six months in advance. We haven't really seen Peacock's days for our lives. We're right, still you're still seeing the NBC version, right. So right. around like March, we'll be able to start really seeing changes. The only changes we see now are longer episodes. You know what I'm right. saying? Because they don't right. have to edit anything. Yeah. But once March comes around and then Bo and Hope come back and everything like that, and we'll be able to really get a gauge on what we're going to get in the future. Yeah, yeah. agree. So, Chaz, let's go back to you, because I know you kind of have this question about Sally's daytime resume as a whole. So go for it. Um, can I skip that question? Because I have a better one now. Sally, you mentioned a very go off script here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm going off script because I'm like, I feel like we talked about that. I am moving right now. Don't mind me. I'm moving to charge (laughs) my computer so I don't lose you guys. No, you're fine. What the question that it, it actually popped up my mind as you were talking about it. You mentioned that Young and the Restless has a very a much older audience, which is very true. Um, yeah. they're a few older. Yeah. Do you think that the network interference 
or or the as telling the young and the rest of the things that they can and can't do yeah. is because of the audience they're afraid that they're going to upset their older audiences but in regards to those storylines that yeah here's the reality of that question maybe they think so but they've always had an older audience right mm -hmm. so they've always had an older audience even with controversial stories so it, it, it's it's a false argument i think they're i think in their minds they're worried but mm -hmm. they don't understand you know they don't understand that it doesn't work that way yes they might scream and yell and you know oh my god mariah and tessa kissed oh how horrible but two weeks later they're going oh i really like them mm -hmm. you know there's not it's but you see the thing is for many years when bill was writing the show the network wasn't involved at all Gotcha. None. No, none, no, zero. He didn't yeah. even send them outlines. He knew he didn't want their opinion. Yeah. He didn't need their opinion. The problem is who has the clout of Bill Bell? And they're just, it, it, it's, they've, they've ruined the show to the point. I mean, and this was way before I came back. Right. This, this yeah. was happening systematically from when they fired us all in 2006. It's just gotten yeah. worse and worse and worse and worse. Why do you think that decision was made? Because as we were remembering Wyandar's old days, that older audience watched a black man in white face marry a white woman. Well, that's they what I'm saying. They that is my point. And they had no, and do you realize you could never tell that story today? Exactly. No. Wasn't one of the Brooks sisters raped in a very graphic way for television? Yes, by Tony Geary. Yeah. So it's like, why do you think they made that disconnection to what because they took over? They decided they were the creative people on the show, even though they have no experience. That's really the bottom line. And Sony is too willing to acquiesce to them. And I mean, it's just that simple. It's yeah. really, it's very sad to watch, and it mm -hmm. it it just. It, you know, it it just sours you on the whole medium. It sours you on the whole experience. Most certainly. So, Alan, Good. let's go back to you, though. Um, I know you had a great question for Sally, so go for it. So, you created Ryan Tessa as a pairing during your last stint. And since then, they've gotten married. Now they're trying to have a family. What's like your, your part of your legacy now is Brian, from your last hit, is your legacy your legend? What's that like? That's such a sore couple for the show, the first lesbian couple. Well, it's nice that they didn't write them out. That they did. That they kept. They they kept them. Um, you know, together. I guess. I mean, you know, it's it's hard now. I left in two thousand seventeen, so that's already five and a half year, five year, more than five years ago. And I have to be honest with you, I haven't watched it once since then. Sorry. Um, I just didn't. Mm. I just don't. When I leave something, I leave, you know? I know some of the stories going on uh, because mm. I sometimes look at, you know, I look at the fan boards. I love to see what fans are talking about. And I use the internet, the way I view the internet and the fans is as a barometer. In other words, if they're talking a lot about the show, even negatively, that's a good sign. It's when they don't talk about the show that I would worry. Um, mm, good point. Know, you know, 
when there's no discussion, like I'd rather somebody say, I hate this, but I'm watching, as opposed to, I have nothing to say about this show. It's just meh, you know? Maybe yeah. I'll watch today. Maybe I won't. I'll fa- I, it, you know, most people, I, I, when I read their comments, I FF through this part. I FF through this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically the last since 2020, I think. That's- <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> no, YNR is, yeah, because YNR is trending every other day on Twitter. And it's not just the young and the rest. Of the tr- it's Sunk or Kyle or that damn Phillips. Somebody is always trending on Twitter about that. <laughs> that that and GH, they're always trending. Every once in a while, Bowl sneaks in there, and sometimes Dave, but it's mostly YNR and GH that are always trending. For and in a, in a positive way or a negative way? Both. It can Both. be either. It really yeah. depends on the day. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Most, of time, most of the time it is positive, though. It's yeah, because but- if Phyllis is trending, People love to hate Phyllis. They're just like, oh, why don't you just leave Diane alone? Why don't you just crawl into a sinkhole and get swallowed up? But she is a love to hate character, and those are yeah. the characters, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. She's been that since the day one. We love her. She's always been a catalyst. She's always been an instigator, a troublemaker kind of thing. Um, that's the beauty of her character. Yeah. Um, yes. So, but, yeah, I'll have to look at Twitter to see. Um, <laughs> You but know I'm what? Just... You're gonna get your. What I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna get. It just depends upon <laughs> who's yeah. talking, and it's gonna depend upon the day because yeah. it's you know there's not really consistently you know oh this is great 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 great. It's like oh I'll have a good scene or we'll mm-hmm. have a good day, and then yeah. the next day we're like oh my god I don't want to watch this you know it, so it, it just that the show has I'm sure has a lot of good scenes. I know when Tony was working yeah. out. Have a lot of good tea. It's the overall long term yes. direction or directionlessness. Yes. Yeah. Like you said earlier, Sally, it's the minutia. You have a lot of characters who are having repetitive scenes and repetitive conversations and nothing is moving. Well, that's like, it's like a hamster on a wheel. That's probably because nothing's really plotted out in advance. No. You know, no. when you have a lot of filler. And, you know, the truth is there's only 36 minutes of program time. Exactly. Yeah. So that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, I'm going to ask this, this, my, my third question, because it goes right into what we're talking about, like hearing, you know, seeing what you've seen on the boards and hearing what, you know, the things that we've seen, um, just over the last couple of years, even on CBS soaps or all the soaps, but for that matter, what advice would you give? Um, writers currently on Young and Restless, Bold and Beautiful, General Hospital Days. What is some of the, the advice that you may have learned previously or that you've picked up in your in your great career that you can give to um, either aspiring writers or existing writers on soaps? It's a really good question. Um, I think really be inside your show, number one. Mm-hmm. Really be inside those characters, you know? Um, that's number one. Try to be true to the characters. Try different things. Be daring. You know, we do 250 shows a year. They don't have to all be amazing. You're not going to hit a home run every day. Um, Be daring. But think long term. Think big picture. Mm -hmm. 
think big picture. That was always the thing I like to think. When I say big picture, think of the whole cast. The whole, how does this storyline fit with this one? How you balance storylines, how you balance female, male characters, how you balance couples vis-a-vis suspense, vis-a-vis secrets, you know? How do you, you know, if you tell an arc, an umbrella story, it's a murder story, know, know your ending, know who the killer is first. Don't, don't wing it and figure it out as you go along. Um, <laughs> so that would be those would be my my points i think i would say very good advice very good very advice good. you described everything that's not happening right yeah now. It's just, yeah, exactly. it's so hard. <laughs> yeah it's so hard with YNR because sometimes sometimes i feel bad crapping on jobs because i know it's not all his fault but it's just like ugh, i i I just, it, it's a better way to deal with the network. I know the network can kind of stifle you, but it's the way, if you're going to hold, if you're going to take this job and you're going to hold on to it as long as he has, you need to learn how to navigate and like keep the audience entertained, but do enough so the network won't balk at it. And he's not. It, it just feels like he's just kind of going through the motions and Steve Ken is just there cashing a check to make sure the show stays on the air. And and CBS is just like, oh, pull out the most boringest thing you could think of, and we'll put it on the air. They don't care. It's uh, well, it's frustrating. Yeah, I think that's a, there's a lot of truth to that, and I think it's sad. And you know, I yeah, it's a frustration for sure. But you know what? I don't want this talk to be all about frustration and sadness because Sally. What you did in 1989 was absolutely unforgettable because generations years. <laughs> My goodness. And 33 years later, it's going to be 33 years it's been off the air. Please just don't like, remind me. <laughs> I love you. But um, 32. No, 32, because it went off in 91. Oh, 32, yes. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's certainly not yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so the show is still so talked about every day there are clips because it's different it was different it looked different it sounded different the idea was for it to be different the point was not to make it like every other show there was i had a mandate from nbc make it topical make it topical and you know the show was set in a real city of chicago and Mm -hmm. we were trying to do topical stories and if the show has been still on i mean i can think of like hundreds and millions of stories that i could have done um, but I bravoed NBC then for, for, for recognizing that the problem for NBC, on the other hand, was they didn't have the guts to stick with it. <laughs> it just needed one more year and then it would have, I think, really clicked. As it said in the finale. You know, again, it was a money issue. They had financial issues at the time. The network owned the show so they could write it off. Oh, let's save this money. So it was a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yes. Um, but what does it mean to you for it to still be so looked back? I love it. So oh, are you relaxed? kidding? It's so gratifying. Are you kidding? I love it. <laughs> I love when I get tweets from Turkey. I love when people like you, you know, reach out. I'm. I get people reaching out to me over the years all the time. Writers, young writers. I always respond. Always try to give them advice. It, it's. 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 It's probably career wise, other than making the documentary, which was the most fun I've ever had because. I got to do that myself. Nobody yes. <laughs> told me what to do. Um, 
generations. I'm extremely proud of it. And, uh, you know, there's things I wish I had done differently. You know, I was very young at the time. Um, and, you know, uh, certain things. But in general, I can't say I, I, I have tremendous pride for the show. And the fact that people like you guys, you've been talking about it because you're so much younger, which me, you know, that it, it it's you can't even imagine. And thanks to God, thank to YouTube to keep it yeah. alive, because mm -hmm. when you look at it on YouTube, the scenes, it looks amazing still. Yes, it yeah. holds up really well. And we really were ahead of our time. But you know what? I couldn't tell those stories today. Yeah, it's so really interesting you say that. I think one of the scenes so, that I just I just saw on TikTok the other day was the absolute legendary fight scene. <laughs> um, oh, I'd love to see that. Yes, on TikTok, it did is, somebody do something with it? Yeah, they, they they I think they just made a comment on it or something, and they were yeah, like, they Have you seen the show like. What is this show? And I'm like, oh, that's Generations. Um, you know, the cat fight is iconic. Tony yes. directed that cat fight, actually. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That cat fight's iconic. And I'll never, I, you know what? It's so weird because I can put myself back in the room when we did that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And Michelle, it's one of the Michelle Valjean, bless her heart, she did a great job of that scene. She said, we were doing like the dialogue, you know, where there, she comes in and <laughs> Doreen is comes. I, I can't remember who was there first. Who was I, there? I think it was Maya was there first. My, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. 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 And, and then she says the line, I'm going to wipe the floor with you. <laughs> we just were howling <laughs> in the room. We were dying laughing. We just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. But those two actresses played their heart out. And, and look, you know how many people have stolen that scene? Yeah. And most of the time, they're not as well motivated. You know, it was very well motivated. I mean, Maya had real reason to be livid with this woman, not only yes. about Adam, but her father. And, you know, and Maya was a street fighter, you know, she wasn't going to take any shit. Okay. No. <laughs> no. And I think what you saw is that Doreen was also a street fighter, too. Yeah. And yeah. that really made that interesting. When For Maya me, said, it reminded me. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Casey. Oh, I was just gonna say when Maya said, "All the money in the world can't clean you up." I just loved that. The oh, yeah. the dialogue was fantastic. No, they were. It was Michelle. Michelle aced that. She nailed the dialogue in that scene, and it was, it was so well motivated. Again, it worked because you were with both of them. You yeah. could see. You could feel the tension. You could feel the anger. It was real. It wasn't like forced on you. Like, oh, let's pretend these two girls are, mad. you know, women are mad at each other and they'll start fighting. No, mm -hmm. these two women were, had a simmering feud. Yes. That, that exploded. It so it built. See, it, that's like, the trick. You've got to really build things so that you can suck the audience in. Right. Um, and let them be part of the journey. If you don't do that, you haven't had a good cat fight in so long. Well, to, but now you know what? Feel, but now it would feel forced. You know, yeah. it depends who's doing it. Now that it would feel forced. Uh, yeah, right now, and there's, really no, well there's no rivalries anymore either on soaps. Like, I mean, the only two characters I could think of now would be Carly and Nina on GH. If they beat the hell out of each other, that would probably raise ratings because it, it's. Over the course of the last two, three years, it's been building. But 
they don't have any rivalries really in soaps anymore. I mean, even Jack and Victor are civil to each other now. So it's just like, I mean, they try to do it with Adam and Billy, but Adam and Billy have turned into the same character. They're well, both just, this, yeah, they're pretty much the same person. They're, they're both spoiled, self-loathing losers. So it's like they're two sides <laughs> of the same coin. So when they're into it, it's just like, Okay. Just, it, that particular fight scene for me, the only one that I can say that even compares was um, the Sheila and Lauren lab fight. Oh, they tore that lab up. Ooh. Yes, that and, and I haven't seen one that was now keep in mind, this was 92, I think is when that, that 91, 92. Beautiful. Yeah. Not yeah. Beautiful no, that was that was on the Young and the Restless. Oh, it was on y &R. Okay. Yeah, because um, I, I believe that Sheila had just told Lauren that, oh, yeah, I forgot that your baby died. And so. Yes, uh, because she said, your dead baby isn't always uppermost in my mind. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just that. And it just reminded me. It brought, I'm like, generations, that fight scene and then the Young and Restless fight scene are top two of my ever yeah. that I've ever seen. And so I just th that show, if it never did anything else, which it did a ton it just reminds me of like, okay, you they had a reason to hate each other. And it, oh, yeah. you're absolutely right. If you remember why you're brought back to, even if you're looking at the scene and you're like, well, why are they fighting? I'm like, well, she did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah right. cause over the years it became so normal. Cause like on General Hospital, especially in the nineties, early two thousands, all the women were beating the hell out of each other. So it, became, it was, it was good, but it just became so normal that it days too. It, they, yeah. it just became so normal. They were, oh, yeah, somebody kicked Carly's ass today. Here's Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, Tiggs, what is your final question for Sally? Oh. Sally, was it, was there ever a time where the network wanted you to maybe kill off a character or, you know, do a story where you were just like, well, you can fire me right now because I'm not doing it? No. No. I can honestly say no. I can say this, that no, the network has never said to me, we need you, we want you to get rid of so-and-so. I'm just thinking, let me think about that. No, it was more, I would pitch to them and they would agree. And then when they'd rid of, they'd, they'd have a freak out. Uh, like there was some of the casting decisions we would, disagree on for sure but no they never said you've got to write a story where we get rid of victor or whomever mm. no thank god <laughs> right oh my lord <laughs> um so sally you did many stories on your last in at YNR, like we've talked about um you did the trafficking story um you did hillary causing hr issues um, and like her Mariah not seeing eye tie, but was there one topical story besides the Devon one you mentioned that you did want to tackle? Had you gotten to stay longer? Well, I did have a really cool story about who shot Hillary, who tried to kill Hillary. Oh, okay. Uh, that was really interesting. I did enjoy, I was enjoying the sexual harassment story vis-a-vis Kane and Juliet, but it got short-circuited and, um, other than the, okay, the Devon one told me right away mm. that this was not going to be that stint that I had hoped it would be. So just mm -hmm. play the game and get through. 
And that's really what I did. Yeah. And you did the best you could though. You did the best you could. And and yeah. that just goes to show what type of writer you are, Sal. Because even under those conditions, you were still able to give us good soap opera. Because I enjoyed your last thing. You like, liked it a lot. It, yeah, it wasn't what you wanted to do, but like I said, you made me give a damn about Kane and Lily, and that is no short feat. Oh, and I just another comment, you know, like where I kind of redeemed Sharon. She wasn't the mental. You did. Yes, you did. You redeemed Sharon and you redeemed Neil. Because you know, those two I characters... Loved, I would have loved to have given Lauren and Michael more story. I feel that they're neglected. I, they are. I felt at the time we needed more men in different age ranges. You know, part of the problem of Y&R, maybe it's a success thing of being almost 50 years old, is everybody's related to each other. <laughs> yeah. You can't put, there's people that you cannot even remotely involve with each other mm -hmm. because they're related. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the big problem with Days of Our Lives. A huge problem with Days. Or is everybody related there too? Oh, oh yes. good lord! Everybody, everybody's usually either a Brady or a Horton. I, it, it, yeah, it's like now they've paired two cousins together. I hate it, but they had to retcon their the history between the characters because oh, they're not related. They're not blood related, but they're related. But they've that. always been, yeah. yeah. Hate, well, you see, that's going to be a hard sell. Uh, oh, oh, it is. It oh, is. Yeah. Because, <laughs> and, it, 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 it's not, and it's not even like a Janet, like uh, Jonathan Tammy on God and Light. Yes, they were blood related, but they had chemistry. These two don't even have chemistry, so they did it for nothing. <laughs> it's like, ugh. But there it, is, it would be, it would be equivalent no, to putting. There's no question that. When you've been on the air as long as these shows have been, I think there's a part of you that settles into a little bit of a complacency as opposed to kind of trying to keep reinventing. You know, my gripe with the soap business really started in the 90s during the dumbing down era of soap. Mm -hmm. I don't like the sci-fi alien thing. I don't think soaps do that well. I got sick of doppelgangers, you know, actors playing part double parts, babies being stolen. It was like, oh God, why are we dumbing this down so much, you know? So as a fan, I completely lost interest in the medium um, and uh, only watched the shows that I was working on when I was working <laughs> on them. Because it's all kind of like that with Dave stuff. now. I don't like dumbed down stuff. That's just not yeah. something I you like. Either. Yeah. I hate yeah. it and I find pandering to an audience is a serious mistake. I think you should try and elevate the audience. If it goes over their heads, so be it. Yeah. But there was been an effort in all of entertainment and all of our society to dumb it down. Look at how dumb our country is now. Yeah. The discourse. Look at the discourse in our country. No one's serious. It's silliness. The media is silly. Social media. You know what I mean? It's just... Mm -hmm. There's like a lack of depth in stuff. Maybe I'm old yeah. and I remember when things kind of were a little bit more highbrow-ish, for want of a better term, and I appreciated that, you know? Yeah. I did too as a little kid even. I mean, I'm only 37, but right, I, remember being a little, babies. <laughs> I remember being a little kid and I was so five, six years old, and I and I cared about Catherine Chancellor and Victor. No, I, I wanted all the old people. I used to hate when they would sore ass one of them kids. I'm like, 
who are this stupid little kid? Send them back to boarding school. I didn't care about none of the kids. I cared about all the old people. You had Jeannie Cooper, you had had Eric Braden, you had them in their prime, Nikki. I mean, losing Mrs. Chancellor was a blow to the show for sure. Absolutely. Fabulous person, great actress, just really the heart and soul of everything on that show. Such a cheerleader for the, just a great person. Jeannie was a very special person. Everybody, And that's what's missing from YNR. We don't have a heart and soul. Well, Well, it's it's the same it's hard now because they haven't sort of when I say replace her, like Nikki could really assume that role, but they don't play her that way. She's the co-CEO of Newman Enterprises right now. Oh my God, Sally is so stupid. It's so stupid. (laughs) Nikki Newman having a job is so stupid. She's a lady of lunch is not a CEO. I have have no comment. I don't know. I haven't seen any of it. Like I said, I haven't watched (laughs) one episode since the day I left. Um, so I wish them all well. I'm just glad. (laughs) So Sally, as we, um, come to a close here tonight, what would you like to say to soap viewers who adore you just as much as we do? Thank Well, first of all, I want to say to any soap viewer who even knows who the writers are, that's oh, we know now. That Thanks shows you. Oh, oh, we know. So bless you for even acknowledging us lowly writers who sit by ourselves and uh, don't get too much attention, but we're happy to be low key. Um, I appreciate the, the the level of support that you guys have shown is awesome. The love. Are you kidding? I mean, it means everything. I mean, it really does that, you know, I started my career in Daytona 40 years ago. And um, at 26, so I'm not hiding my age, you guys all know, Google will tell you anyway. (laughs) um, I was a massive soap fan. So I was a fan, right? I was a viewer. I got to experience a a hobby and turn it into a career. Um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. We work in the medium and I defend it to anybody. I believe, and Tony will definitely second this, so people, whether they're writers, actors, crew people, are the most talented, are the hardest working, are the best by far. No one can do what they do. Even making a film by myself virtually, my editor, people would say, well, what was harder, that or being head writer? Being head writer is the hardest job ever in the planet on in any medium. There's nothing like it, 20, you know, 250 shows a year, 30 Mm -hmm. characters. So the fact that anybody even recognizes it is awesome to me. And remembers some of the great stories that I thought were good. You know, the fact that just because I thought they were good doesn't mean anything. The fact that you guys are responding, that means everything to me. So thank you. (laughs) And I hope that I can... um, you know, still be somewhat involved in the industry, even if just as an elder states woman. <laughs> oh, I think I think you will be. I think you will be. Which Sally. I guess I am now. You are still sharp as a tack. You look <laughs> damn good for your age. Don't let nobody tell you any different. You look damn good. Thank you. You still got a lot of le- life left in you. I, think I know. So. I, I think know. So. I that, feel the same. You and I are on the same page. Yeah, I know that for you, you are meant written. to still be in this. I'm sending yep. you all love and kisses, and let's do it again sometime. I yes, love please to. come back again. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, if you have any upcoming projects, we will pimp them out. You got a deal. 
Well, right now, I'd love to see if I can make that generations thing happen. It's going to be a tough one, but I'm not going to give up. We'll see. Our thanks so much to the one and only Sally Sussman. Thank you guys so much. Best of luck. Take care. Bye. Have a good night, sweetie. You too. Bye. And then Tiggs, where can our listeners keep up with you on the Twitter? The BIM Master Part 2. I remembered, yay. Uh, all right, thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and Alan, where can they find you, darling? Very good. And <laughs> Chaz, Mr. Um, Boy, another year younger, where can they find you? They can't find me anywhere yet, but maybe oh, in the next on. week, maybe in the next week, you'll, you'll be he hearing from me soon from the tweeter. So I literally thought that, Abby, you of all people were going to give us something to hold on to. No, no, not yet. It'll be coming soon. It'll be coming soon. Oh, we'll wait, no, Chaz, you, you'd be Lily and I'd be Abby. So there we go. Me and you. Um, no, you. I would be the Veda Sherwood to Lily. That's what you're <laughs> I'll be Marcy Ryland's Abby. <laughs> right. I I because I don't know how to do the other Lily. I I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> you don't know how to talk like a valley girl? Absolutely not. Well, oh, like, yeah. I think Wyandar was in a lot better state when Colleen was alive. Uh. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get off of here before Tiggs punches me. Um, but anyway. <laughs> find me at twitter at kcs hutch you can find our show on twitter at chat underscore podcast you can also find us on facebook at the chat show podcast and next week we are back with one of our friends to the show a returning guest eden mccoy from general hospital we're going to talk all things joss dex cam we're going to talk all things joss and trina we're going to talk the 60th anniversary we're going to talk about it all so we'll see you next week with another very special guest Bye. Bye. Wash all asses and mind your business. Okay. Uh -huh.